I hate gift giving and receiving. Receiving gifts is so weird. What do you say? Thank you. This is Coffee Convos with Kale Lowry and Lindsay Chrisley. I really want you to be in your feels, Kale. That does not interest me whatsoever. I feel very attacked by you. A spirited discussion about motherhood, friendship, family, and life in the public eye. I'm just not with the fakery anymore. There's a fakery bakery around here. <laughs> Here's Kale and Lindsay. Hello, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee Convos Podcast. I feel more normal this week because I said welcome Coffee Convos Podcast and you didn't. I yeah, I agree. Well, welcome Coffee Convos Podcast. Happy happy day. <laughs> happy day. What's going on, ma'am? Not too much. Isaac turns 14 this week, which is really exciting. Um, not for me as a mom, but for him, I feel like it's really exciting. And I hope that he loves the gift. I can't wait to talk about it on the next episode. Um, I can't wait to hear, but turning 14 years old, are you not scared that he's about to start driving? Yeah, I literally put it in my 20, I put it in my budget for 2024, how much I'm willing to spend on a car and to budget, you know, take a certain amount out every month this year and next year, because I mean, two years, that's it. I need to know the parents that buy their kids brand new cars when they get their learners or driver's license and then parents who buy their kids like old cars. I can see both sides of that. I received a new car when I turned 16. I had like the whole sweet 16. Do you remember that show? Wasn't it on TV? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I had this whole sweet 16. I feel like it was like the fad to do when you turned 16 at that time. That show was like very popular. I knew one of the girls that was on the show that had a sweet 16. I grew up with her um, and MTV covered like the whole whole shebang. So then my parents saw it and they were like, okay, well, we obviously need to keep up with the Joneses. So we're going to throw like this big sweet 16. It was like a whole production, whole thing. Got a brand new car. And all of my friends did not have brand new cars. And I felt like an outcast and kind of upset my parents because they were so excited. They were like, we got Lindsay this brand new Mercedes. It's like a little C230 compressor. And she just wanted to use, and I just wanted, honey, I just wanted a used Jetta. What? What was wrong with me? A Mercedes. Yeah. And when I got it, okay, but here's my thing. When I got it, all of my friends that I invited to the party, like they didn't get brand new cars. And so I've never been like a flashy person. Like I have this and somebody else doesn't have this. Like I just wanted to fit in with everybody else. So when it was not a used Jetta. I was upset. You were upset. Yes, ma'am. So what what are you doing? Are you saving for like a Isaac gets a beater first? I don't know if I would call it a beater. Um, So the crazy thing is that I did, I think, I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast, but I emailed Javi because he, I co-parent with him the best. And I was like, you know, obviously there's six years before Lincoln drives, but like, what is the plan? So, because I have to match whatever I do for Isaac, I have to match that for the rest of my kids because I Mm -hmm. never want my youngest or my middle kids to be like, well, so-and-so got this and I got this. So Javi was like, um, you know, in a perfect world, he'll drive my truck, like a use his used truck. But if not, if that truck isn't running, we're, we have a $10,000 budget. So basically I'm matching that $10,000 budget, whether I'm paying for the entire 10 or I'm, you know, if Joe Mm -hmm. wants to go five and five, or if he doesn't want to do anything at all, whatever. Um, so hopefully certified used. Um, but you know, we're going to, we're going to make the best of it. And 
also, you know, Isaac wants to work this summer and I'm not allowing him to work during the school year. So we'll see if that hasn't like, we'll see, but $10,000 budget, unless he chooses to use his own money towards his vehicle. Wait. So how old do you have to be to work? 14. You can start doing a job at 14. There's a lot of like limitations. So he wants to get his working papers and apply at like Rita's or like an ice cream shop. Um, And like I said, I'm not letting him work during the school year, but yeah, he can, but I think it's only like very short hours. Like, I don't think it's like one of those, like you could work 40 hours at 14. So we always went to Florida over the summer because my parents had a vacation home there. So when school got out in May, we would immediately go to Florida and then not come back to Atlanta until school started back. And we always were required to carry summer jobs. And I absolutely loved it. Like a lot of my friends that were locals down there that they lived and went to school down there. They weren't required to have summer jobs. And I felt so good about doing it because I could buy myself stuff and I felt like proud of those things. So like if I wanted a new bikini, I could work at the ice cream shop for the week. I could use my tips and go and buy a new bikini or I could buy, remember Dolce & Gabbana light blue? I learned about that as an adult, but yes. It was like my first perfume that I ever purchased for myself. And I was so proud of that bottle and I was very like stingy with it. Nobody could use it. Um, But whole point of that story is just, I feel like it's so good for our kids to start jobs and to learn the concept of money and how much you make and how they can budget for themselves, um, purchase things that they want to be proud of them. For whatever reason, I just feel like you're so much more proud of your things that you have when you purchase them for yourself. I agree. I definitely, I mean, there are definitely things that were gifts or, you know, bought to bought for me by other people that I value and I really love, but nothing like you always remember, like you said, like the perfume, like there are always those things that you, I remember uh, my very first laptop I bought for college. Um, I worked at sports authority. I saved up my $680 and I went and bought a Toshiba um, laptop at the time they were, they were like 600 bucks, but like, I will never forget. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that was the purchase that I, I don't know. It was just like, I worked really hard and I was excited. I had a new laptop for school. So just one of those things that you remember. I love that. You will have to keep us updated on this job search and also whatever this gift is. Just want to say happy 14th birthday to Isaac. Um, dude, like you're, you're grown. 14 years of parenting. I really feel like the, I still Isn't that crazy. Feel, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, um, the birthday should be for the parent and the child because mm-hmm. I kept them alive for 14 years. Um, so no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally Actually, kidding. it's funny that you say that because Jackson's birthday was not too long ago and Trent's mom sent me a message and was like, this was a birth for you too, because yeah. you became a mother. Especially for your oldest, like especially for your oldest. It it is, it's a milestone. Maybe not, obviously we shouldn't necessarily be celebrated ourselves, but just the milestone itself around that time could be celebrated. Mm -hmm. Um, I I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So, and I had never looked at it like that. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is just his birthday. And when she said it was the birth of a new journey of your life, like you became a mother on that day too. So that should be celebrated. So I was like, that is so freaking cool. Um, speaking of mothers, I really want to get into this Casey Anthony documentary, um, the lie detector test with the parents. What were your thoughts? So 
just like the other episodes that I watched, I have a lot of notes on this. This was by far my favorite episode. Um, I felt like it was more worth my time than all the other ones. I don't feel like there was anything new with Gypsy Rose. I don't think that there was anything new with Natalia. Um, They were very redundant and repetitive. So this was like a new spin, I said, essentially on the Casey Anthony case, as well as not a whole lot of coverage on it out in the I was going to say that. There was so much on Talia Grace. There was so much on Gypsy Rose, which I do have a couple of comments that I have for that, Um, just from different things that I've seen and different people's opinions, because people are very opinionated about that. I was very shocked that there was so little coverage on this with Casey Anthony. I feel like we've covered that a lot over the years. And maybe it was just because that's at the time that you and I probably really started watching cases. And this was a case that like I was invested in from the time that it, it started, like when they started looking for Kaylee, like Mm -hmm. I was invested from that moment. So that's where my interest in this case started, like from the day that they started looking for this child. Oh, I remember watching live courtroom stuff. Yes. Like I vaguely remember, or not vaguely, I explicitly remember like where, where I was, what I was doing. I was on my Toshiba laptop. Um, <laughs> my Toshiba. <laughs> and um, I, first of all, I don't know where I left off on my state prior to this episode. I don't know where I left off on my stance of George and Cindy. I, I, I feel like at some points I was very cautiously um, suspicious of George and his like knowings of things. But this episode in and of itself has completely transformed my opinion of him. I never thought that Cindy was involved. I never, I don't think I did. Um, I did question George, George's knowledge and some things, but um, I just want to remind everyone, those of you who are new here, um, I also took a lie detector test before, and I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. When you do the warm up and they're asking you basic ass questions like, is today Tuesday, which they asked me, you feel like you're lying. So the entire process of lie detector tests, whether you are innocent or guilty, regardless, are nerve wracking. And because of your nerves, it fucks with your head and how you like, they asked me is today Tuesday. I know I'm telling the truth, but because of how nervous I was, I thought that it would show on the test that I was lying, even though I was saying yes. So I just want to say that. I also want to say that um, we should take lie detector tests at some point um, for the podcast. Like we should just, so that you could feel what it is like, because it's so, it's such a weird experience. My dad took one on Chris Lino's best many moons ago, and we were all present for it. And the guy who did the lie detector test had worked with the one, the guy who had administered it had worked with OJ Simpson before. So immediately, like when I found that out, minor, I wasn't even a part of like the lie detector test. I wasn't being hooked up anything, but my nerves were so bad. And I just wonder truly how accurate they are and if they can be if they can be bamboozled they can they can and i wrote that down actually so it's funny that you brought that up i literally wrote i hate when people say that lie detector tests are not always accurate and people can cheat them yes in some cases they can be cheated yes 100 there's always there's loopholes to every fucking thing even when you go to court and there's a psychiatrist on both sides prosecution and defense they're both psychiatrists. Why are they coming to different conclusions, right? So like there's loopholes in everything, but I don't understand like 
unless you're a compulsive liar, I would say you're probably you're probably not going to be able to beat a lie detector test. So unless you're a compulsive liar, a pathological liar, like why why aren't they admissible? Because yeah, there's reasonable doubt there, but you could say that about the psychiatrists who are both going to school and having the same background and the same training and the same medical degree, and they're coming up with two completely different things. You know what I'm saying? I do believe that if if your entire life, if you're the type of person that your entire life is basically based around a lie and you don't even have awareness because you lie so much that you don't even have awareness that the things that you're doing are actually lies because you believe your own lies. I believe someone like that could easily pass a lie detector test. Like Casey, because yeah. the la- the episode that she did prior to this episode, she know she is well-versed in her lying because I feel like we hear, oh, if you look away, that means that, you know, that's a one of the telltale signs that you're lying or if you fidget or if you're this or you're that. If you rewatch it, if you go back and rewatch it, she maintains eye contact with every single lie and she doesn't look away in the slightest. So she knows that people are looking at her and seeing if she's looking away and seeing if she's fidgeting and seeing how serious she she's is. She's studied enough what body language people would be looking for. So she's easy, she, it's easy for her to cheat the system. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with, yeah, I had a conversation with Kristen a while ago on the Southern Tea about, I dated somebody one time and they were talking about the looking away, like that's how they know if you're lying. And they've studied like all of this psychology. Somebody who has put themselves in a situation to have to have a lie detector test. I don't believe that Casey is dumb as rocks. I think that she probably is pretty intelligent and that's why she was able to study all of this stuff. And that's why she would be able to maintain eye contact for me, it's hard to even maintain eye contact. How would she do it knowing all the heinous things that she's been accused of doing? I do wonder about the eye contact thing a little bit because I know for a fact, like I've told the truthful story and like when I'm thinking in the middle of a thought process, yeah. like I'll look away and like, but I do think that it's prob- probably in conjunction with the other body language, the looking away mm-hmm. thing is my guess. But the way that she does it, because I know that she knows that it, that's one mm-hmm. of the things I feel like I'm not convinced. So I don't mm-hmm. believe anything that she says. Like I literally don't. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Let's talk about IQ Bar. This is one of our favorite things in both of our homes. I love IQ Joe. I love IQ Bar. And Lindsay loves IQ Mix. And this morning I actually grabbed an IQ Bar and IQ Joe. So we're off to a great start. You actually told me about the IQ Mix because you tried it before I did. And now I feel like I have just incorporated IQ Mix in my everyday life. It helps my mood. It helps me drink more water. I just love it so much. And those of you who go to the gym or my Pilates queens out there, if you get muscle cramps, this definitely helps with that. If your 2024 resolutions involve leveling up your diet, you can start right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffee. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. Get seven IQ Bar flavors, four IQ Mix flavors, and four IQ Joe flavors. And today our listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off 
plus free shipping. Just text combos to 64,000. In my opinion, the Ultimate Sampler Pack is the greatest way to try all IQ Bar products and flavors. And if you are dying to know this like I was, IQ Bar is entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners, which is fantastic for anyone who's looking to cut those out of their diet or already has cut them out of their diet. And whether you're running a marathon or running errands, IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition, which is something that we all need. So refuel smarter in 2024 with IQ Bar's ultimate sampler pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix Sticks, and four IQ Joe Sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products, plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text combos to 64,000. Get your discount, text combos to 64,000. That's combos to 64,000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. I do want to say that it takes guts for them. I mean, I'm sure that Cindy and George have both gotten death threats over the years, especially because Casey accused him of sexual assault and molestation of him and Kaylee. Um, It would be wild to me if they were guilty and still did that because some people believe that he had nothing to do with Kaylee's murder and still sexually abused the both of them and that he should still rot in prison. And so to me, I feel like you're really setting yourself up for failure if you were in fact guilty and you were going to go ahead and offer to do this. So the fact that they were willing to do it, whether regardless tells me that, you know, of their innocence. I also think that their body language was completely normal and that would align with you know, the grieving that they have for their daughter and their and their granddaughter. I am not convinced that the parents were not involved though. You aren't? No. Why? Um, I tend to believe that children are a product of some degree of their raising. And I believe that some of the issues that they have with Casey are from her childhood and her raising. You can raise two, they have two kids. You can raise two kids and they can turn out completely differently. But we had, um, did we talk about you can parent multiple children, but they're not going to get the same parent? Does that yeah, make we, sense? Yeah, we, we talked about that. Yeah. So maybe some of the things that they had issues with Casey, they didn't have with their other child. So it required like a different type of parenting with her. And I believe that – I don't believe you just become a pathological liar in a day or like you do a heinous thing like this in a day. I feel like that is something that is over a period of time that has happened. I believe that some of the traits that she has are likely learned things because I see some of the things in her that I'm like, okay, that's definitely her parents. I have a completely different perspective. I'm shocked by this. I thought we were going to be very much in alignment, but I'm kind of glad that we have different perspectives. I do believe that you can have a child that goes rogue. I do believe that you could have the, you know, when I think of a black sheep, I think of one that completely is rogue and is nothing like the rest of the situation. So, um, and maybe that's because I have the experience, the experience that I have with my mom, but I do think that Do I think that Cindy is controlling and a little bit overbearing? Yes. Do I think that it's possible that George, you know, has his police training from being a cop? Yeah. But I don't think that they are pathological liars in any way, shape or form. And I just, I just don't, I think Casey is a, you know, a rogue personality seeming person. Like, I just think that she's, she's a wild card. 
To me, I think that maybe if there had been different parenting that took place with them, and I'm not out here trying to attack anybody's parenting. We're all doing the best that we can. She created those habits, so started somewhere. So at what point was there accountability for those things that she was doing at that point in her life that led her to where she ended up? To me, if they were noticing things that were inconsistent with her or they knew that she was a liar, how is that child missing for that amount of time and you did nothing about it? But she covers, she talks about, Cindy talks about it. Yeah, but what did she say? She said that she called every single day and Casey stayed away. So there was nothing that she could do. And if she called the police, they weren't going to do it. Oh, you can't see your granddaughter. whoop de do. If Casey says she's fine, what else can you do? And then she said that she even asked her, um, Casey's brother, like, have you seen your sister? And, um, so she was making those attempts, but Casey was essentially blowing her off. Which and I understand anything came in. To play. I understand from a parent's perspective, when you have a grown child and, you're trying to find answers to something that isn't really adding up and you're doing the most that you can within, I guess, your legal rights to be able to do that. I get that. But at the same time that you felt the need to reach out so many times, you knew something was wrong. Your parental instinct, you knew something was wrong. But I don't think that it started that way. Like, I don't, I think it was like towards the end, she was like, you know, like a couple weeks, like, okay, now we, we haven't seen Kaylee because think about it. If they were in fact, they knew something or had a gut feeling or whatever. So look at the, the Brian Laundry situation, for example, it finally came out now years later that his parents did in fact know way more than they knew. But after all these years, you don't think that that would have come out that they knew more somehow, some way they, it would have come out or you know, at the very least that George and Cindy didn't get divorced because of this, because they have two very, very, very different opinions of Mm -hmm. the whole situation, which also leads me to believe that they're being honest. Because if you're a hundred percent aligned, like for example, John Bonet's parents, Mm -hmm. I believe they were involved because they were so diligent in their storytelling and exactly aligned that that was, in my opinion, planned, rehearsed, memorized, all of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, for Casey Anthony's parents, they have very different theories about what happened. So to me, I feel like, and Casey also says certain very different things than both of their theories. So I just, I feel like they don't know. You cannot convince me that those parents did not know. You can't convince me. Do I believe that they knew from the initial missing situation? No. But do I believe, do I believe that they should have acted more diligently There is no way I can just tell you now if that was a situation with my parents and one of their kids and there were some inconsistencies in behavior and it smelled like shit and it looked like shit, they're going to act like it's shit and they're calling the police. Like, Well, I think for – I think George knows what his daughter was capable of. I think that George knows that this happened by Casey because of Casey at the hands of Casey. I think for Cindy, it's a harder pill for her to swallow and she doesn't want to believe that Casey did this. Um, I think that's why she believes the accident route, the drowning route, and then covering it up from there. I do think that she knows that her daughter tampered with all of it and like went from there. I think that she knows that Casey did all of that, but I don't think that she wants to believe that Casey actually killed uh, Kaylee. I also want to just say that I used to believe the 
if it doesn't apply, let it fly. And one of my kids' dads taught me that, but I very much don't believe in that statement anymore because I feel like, especially in this case for George and Cindy, they have been accused of so much that at some point, even though it's not true and it's not accurate that he, you know, abused them or whatever it is that he's being accused of being involved and things like that. At some point you have to address things that are not true. Like you have mm-hmm. to, there's no, mm-hmm. you, there's no amount of, of ignoring it that would make it better or worse. At some point you have to acknowledge the fact that regardless of this being true or false, he's going to be believed in some people's minds as being a villain and being someone who did these things. Even if people have proven that he's innocent to the ends of the earth, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I no longer believe in that. And I wrote that in my notes. Um, I do think that you could see how much that Kaylee, how much they loved Kaylee and they still love Casey. And I think that that, that also um, proves the type of people that they are, even, you know, despite her being Cindy being controlling or George, you know, being a cop and you know, that cops have, you know, they get a bad rap sometimes. Mm -hmm. You can see how much they still love her and how much they love Kaylee. And I think that is a true, you know, testament to their characters. Well, I think it's a, a testament to unconditional love. Yeah. Because yeah. I can – I unconditionally love my child. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you it would be very hard for that love not to fade if I knew that my child had done something so heinous to my grandchild that I also loved. I think – so I think that George loves Casey differently now, like from a distance differently. Mm-hmm. And I think what you just said is why Cindy has to – I think that's why she's committed to believing that Kaylee drowned because I think – it would change for her too. And, and like I said, as just as a mom, like that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, in my notes, Do you I wrote, believe she drowned. No, I believe that was completely made up. I believe I'm with George and that. I think that Casey drugged Kaylee. I do too. And so, I think that, I think that she probably drugged her. My theory is she drugged her. I think she had been drugging her. Mm-hmm. And I believe that drugging situation went too far and she likely stopped breathing. And then she didn't know what to do. So then she buried her. Yeah. It's just crazy that they never had any evidence or cameras or anything else. Like, how do you go get into those woods where where Kaylee was found without being seen going there? Like, that's just, I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that aspect of it. Which speaks to how calculated she is as a person, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like that was thoroughly well thought out. Yeah. How to get in there. What, yeah. you know, where, yeah, I would agree. Like with the you. lies were planned out, the, her missing planned out, the whole nanny situation planned out. There was just so much premeditated stuff to cover the story. It's, it's crazy to me. And I believe the drugging situation that she knew that she was giving her drugs that she should not have had because she wanted her to sleep so that she could do whatever she wanted to do. That situation went too far. She knew immediately she could not take the child to the hospital. She could not call 911 because they're going to find what's herself. in her system. Mm-hmm. So she would have to explain herself. So I think that, do I think that she probably would have gone through those extremes if the situation was different, no, but I think she got herself in a bad situation by making bad decisions. And then those bad decisions just continued to happen to cover her tracks. I think by the, by Cindy's tone of voice and body language, she was, she's been absolutely clueless this entire time. 
All right, a new year is full of surprises. I am no stranger to surprises, but one thing is predictable, and that's the cost of postage, and it'll go up again this year. So Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for um, up to 89% off of USPS and UPS services, and your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been helping businesses like yours and ours save time and money for over 25 years, which is so crazy to me. Just consider yourself your own personal post office wherever you are. Something that I love about stamps.com is all you need is a computer and a printer and they send you a free scale. So you have everything that you need to get started. You can also get supplies there. So that's where I order all of my supplies. If you're running low, you can order shipping and mailing supplies, labels, even printers from their supply store. Like I said, for more than 25 years, stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. You get access to the USPS and UPS services. You need right from the palm of your hand, anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with stamps.com. Sign up with promo code COFFEE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code COFFEE. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect places, and the beauty is they're all different. None of us are the same, so why should our homes be? Someone may want hardwood floors. Someone else may say carpet all the way. Questionable call, but hey, to each their own. Some may want a doorman. Others may say, I can open the door myself. But Apartments.com has all the right tools to help you find the place that's uniquely perfect for you. Sort through and filter listings by amenities and make sure you never miss out with their instant alert option. With more than 1 million available units for rent, you're sure to find a place that's right for you. So whether you're looking for a place with a basement, a yard, a pool, or everything in between, Apartments.com has got you covered. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Did you get the sense that maybe Cindy was on like an antidepressant or something? Well, she did say she was having an anxiety attack. So that's possible. That is possible. Um, I will say that I wrote in my notes that Cindy was so real for getting fr- for getting frustrated with the producers. And I know that that part of it may have made her look really, really bad. But I've been in that position. And I think that it looks worse because of the editing. But she is very aware of how every minute of her demeanor, her character, her body language, the things that she says, she's very aware that, of how that's going to come across on TV and how people are going to portray it in various ways. So I do think that there's a lot of there's a lot at stake and there was a lot of emotions and tempers and and things like that. And so I don't I hope that nobody holds her accountable for that, because, I mean, she was wanting she wants they want to clear their names. Right. Like, of course, there's going to be points of frustration. And I hope that um, people keep that in mind, that that was kept in the editing for a reason to portray her a certain way. So let's keep that there. Um, Listen, there's a lot of editing that goes on in TV. But if we're going to say that Casey looked directly in eyes during a lie detector test and that that was sketchy behavior. Casey's parents also showed up to this knowing how their behavior was going to be portrayed. I believe they have enough versing in this world at this point to show up in the way that they showed up to play to an audience. But I don't think they did though, because she still lashed out on camera knowing that it could be used. You would never see Casey doing that because she's so fucking calculated. Like her having um, an anxiety attack. Also, George, I think he did a poor job explaining what he meant about like loving Kaylee's hugs and the sweet smell of sweat. 
I understood what he was trying to say as a grandfather. Also, he, I think in some ways, missed out on the daughter that he would have probably preferred to have. And he got Casey, who was a pathological liar her entire life. And so when he had Kaylee, it was almost like a second chance. Yeah. And so I think the way that he was like, I hate the way the outside smells, but like he said, I'm not going to say that my granddaughter stinks. I, you know, when my kids come in from outside, I'm like, ew, you smell like outside. Right. But if they Mm -hmm. passed away, I'm going to miss the way that they come inside smelling like sweat and outside. And so I get what he was saying. And I feel like he's been villainized so much by her and Jose Bias that it actually pisses me off. And I do have like a soft spot for George now. And I feel bad for ever accusing him because I don't think that he would have put himself in his. They were dragged into this, like because their daughter is a fucking she's rogue. Mm -hmm. So I feel like. His entire reputation and everything, no matter how much he's cleared by lie detector tests, he's still going to be a villain to these people and he's still going to get death threats. And I feel so bad. And I, he, she, Casey really did a number on her parents. She really did a number on her parents. But think about all the parents that are out here that, that have kids that haven't gone to this degree, but they struggle with the same thing with having like pathological lying kids. Think about the stress of those parents. Like I can imagine. No. Like that, and I'm sure for Casey's parents specifically, they had this daughter and probably wanted her, you have dreams for your kids. And when she was absolutely rogue, I couldn't imagine being a parent, having a child and feeling like, okay, I had such high hopes for this child and they've done all of these things. And it basically was just like a killed dream. And then they still love her through it. So that shows what kind of parents, to me, that shows what kind of parents they are. I also want to make a point to what Cindy said um, and George were saying. Cindy said that both, she she made Casey take CPR classes um, when she was a kid and then, or a teenager. And that also George had CPR training with his, you know, him being a cop. It brought me back to where Casey says that George pulled Kaylee out of the pool and hands Casey Kaylee's lifeless body. Um, in what world does that make sense? In what world? Because the pool thing doesn't even apply to me because I've just completely disregarded that because I think it's just a blanket lie. Like, but also consider the fact that George was a cop and he did know CPR and he, why would he have handed people do things when they're under like crazy pressure and like they're scared, but George was a cop and had, as far as I know, a good reputation as a cop People would rule it an accident if it was, in fact, an accident. And I think that George knows that and Cindy knows that. So for Casey to have said that, and that was the third, I think that was like the third, that was the third and final lie that she came up with about this. Mm-hmm. It, it's not even one that is plausible because, like I said, he knows CPR, she knows CPR, and it, he's a cop. So people, his colleagues would be like, okay, yes, this is ruled an accident, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with that. That's why... I- from the beginning, I'm like the the likelihood of the drowning story being the case, because if a child got out of a house and drowned in a pool, the risk there with charges against you, I feel like are minimal because it truly was an accident if it was an accident. Mm-hmm. So why are we going through all of these things and all of these different stories if that truly was what happened? It's because it didn't happen. 
I did put in my notes too that I think people like the general public wanted answers so bad and it was easy to say that George could be involved. It's easy to say, okay, Casey did this and maybe her dad knew or her dad was involved. But I also believe, um, I believe I've also thought at some point that jo- that George was involved, but it was easy to believe that it was easy to, you know, to go point fingers at people. Um, but I just body language says so much. And I just don't think that they would sit there and take the abuse that they have and be willing to do this episode if they were involved in any way. Um, And then I wrote in here too, going back to our point about the way that Cindy acted for the 31 days, you can't do anything to your 21 year old daughter and four year old granddaughter. If you're not, if you're talking to her on the phone, there's literally nothing you can do. I mean, at minimum, I feel like, and I'm, I don't have a child that's 21, so this is just speaking if I did, trying to put myself in that situation. If I had an inkling that something was going on, I feel like at minimum I would have go I would have gone on a search for my child. I probably wouldn't have involved the police. I would have well, gone on a search. She, if she had an inkling, I don't think she thought it was murder. No, I don't think that she – I really don't think that. I think that she – I don't know how she couldn't have thought something – something was off. And at the point that I thought something was off, I would have gone on a search. So when we get to the part of George being asked, did you conceal her whereabouts? And he was having such a hard time answering this question. Um, This is the one thing that I will say during this entire episode that made me wonder if he did, you know, learn about her dying and help conceal Mm -hmm. her body that's like the one thing that made me question all of it. But I don't know if it was, um, you know, all the deflecting truly could have been the way that they edited it because some of the deflection I think was actually related to the cheating and separation portion of it. Some of the deflecting, mm-hmm. um, but he does have a hard time answering the conceal, like, cause he was specifically asked, did you conceal her whereabouts or did you conceal her body or something? And he was like, I didn't know about it. Um, and so that you're not saying I didn't conceal her whereabouts. You're saying you didn't know about it prior to concealing her whereabouts. And so that mm-hmm. did raise red flags for me. Um, but I wanted to ask you if you thought, because um, Cindy does talk about, oh, you know, he had an affair when we were separated or whatever and kind of unrelated to this. But do you think that it's cheating if you are with somebody emotionally or physically during a separation? Do you think that's cheating? Haven't we talked about this before. If we haven't, then I'm going to give you the lowdown. No, I no And yes, actually, because what is the basis of your separation? Like, are you both on the same page? I think it goes back to the communication aspect. Why are we separating? How are we conducting ourselves through this separation? It's kind of like people taking a break in a relationship that aren't married, right? Like, okay, we're taking a break from this, but are you still emotionally and physically committed to me? those conversations need to be had. Right. You know, so if there was a lack of communication and one person is under the impression of one thing and another person is under the impression of something else, I don't really feel like it's fair if you're not adult enough to go to the table and have an honest conversation to say, hey, we are going through this separation and this is what the separation needs to look like. We're only doing this to take time apart from each other, spend time with ourselves. I'm not physically and emotionally going to be with anybody else. And I have an expectation if I'm not doing that, then you're not. And at the point that you feel like you want to do that, then there needs to be an open line of communication about that. Right. Right. I mean, that's fair. Um, Why? What do you think? 
I agree with you a hundred percent. I, okay. I think, you know, it's, it, it gets a little, what's your favorite word convoluted when mm-hmm. you don't have those communications. So some people will say, well, you cheated even though we were separated. That's been, you know, for my situation when I got, was filed for divorce is did I cheat? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that varies by couple. It varies by situation. You can say yes, or you could say no, depending on your specific situation. Um, when everything is all said and done after these lie detector tests on Cindy and George, I, and I'm, I'm kind of going back on what I put in my notes. In my notes, I said, I agree wholeheartedly that he had nothing to do with it. He knows what his daughter is capable of. Their body language says it all. Lie detectors confirmed it for me. And I'm sorry if I ever questioned their involvement. I wish they did this special sooner. I've never seen the, you know, cameras focus on their body language before. Like, I guess I never like had that in mind. Um, but I do wonder about the concealment thing. Like, I don't, maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. Uh, My final thoughts were that they are the true definition of parents regardless, because they still say that they love their daughter at the end of this entire episode. Um, Casey ruined her parents' lives, period, plain and simple. No matter how many times he's exonerated by public opinion, the court of public opinion, he's still going to be a bad guy in some of these people's eyes, whether it be because of, you know, concealment of her body or possibly knowing or, you know, the sexual assault thing, like I said. Um, they still wish their daughter the best and hope that their daughter will someday admit the truth, which is crazy because that's what Cindy's whole argument was. But at some point, would she tell the truth so that they could move forward in that way? Um, I would also like to hear from Casey's brother one day. That's like my final, final thought. I would also like to hear from her brother. I think that would be very interesting. I would like to see if from his body language, if there and the way that he talks, if there's any similarities in the children. I think that would be very interesting. Um, not only did she ruin her parents' life, she ruined her life. She took her child's life. She allegedly. probably ruined her brother's life because her brother has not ever spoken that I know of. And where he will forever be known as Casey Anthony's brother. Mm-hmm. And I also would like to know from the brother, like, one, George – if he was involved based on the way that he broke down in this episode and he was trying to like re-explain like the whole like statements at the funeral thing, the, based on the way that he broke down, if he knew something, Cindy would have had a feeling about it. And also if he did conceal the body in any way, shape or form at some point, just based on this episode alone, I feel like he would have broken down to Cindy at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking I mean, that years be. and years and years, and they have maintained they have maintained the exact same story. What really bothers me about the whole situation is the fact that sh- that Casey has been able to monetize off of the situation. Like to me, you are dirty. Like you were dirty before, but the fact that you are going to be able to monetize a situation that is absolutely so heinous, I can't even really wrap my mind around it or the thought processes that she would have been going through. I couldn't imagine being her sibling to feel like it is forever attached to me that, you know, my sister did this or was accused of this. My father's been accused of this. Could you imagine just for like dating a married life, somebody coming into that situation mm-hmm. being like, wow, like this family, I mean, they're going to have somewhat of an opinion on what has transpired, that wouldn't be something that I would want to follow me. 
I want to know what he thinks. I want to know because nobody has anyone asked his opinion. Has anyone asked him if he has a relationship with his parents? Has anyone asked how he was raised? Yes, you get a different parent every time. But what did he see? Like, what did he see between his parents and Casey? And what does he, he knows his parents just as well as Casey does, I would assume. Does he think that his, his dad was involved? Does he think that his mom knew? Does he think, how does, how did they maintain a marriage if, because you can't look me dead in the face and tell me that my partner could conceal the fact that he potentially concealed the 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 body of my dead grandchild. If I can find out, if I if I have an inkling that you're cheating, I have an inkling that you probably where were you on this date and time concealing a dead body? Like what? Mm-hmm. I need to know what the brother thinks. I need to know. Kale, I think I talked to you about going through my makeup bag a couple of episodes ago, starting the new year and getting rid of so many different things. But one thing that I did not get rid of that I am running out of is my Thrive Cosmetics mascara. I'm literally wearing it right now. I'm wearing the brown one. I have it in black as well. I love it in black. Me too. First of all, I always recommend it because any other like regular mascara, when you get in the shower and you wash your face, I feel like you're scrubbing the mascara off like under your eyes once it starts running and then your eyes get all red and puffy. Also, I don't want to lose my eyelashes when I'm taking my makeup off. And so I love that it tubes and it comes off so seamlessly and nicely. It just feels like I'm not doing any damage to my skin or face. That's my personal opinion. And Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which we love and made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. And I don't want to compromise when it comes to my makeup and my face and skincare. I actually started using Thrive Cosmetics a long time ago and I started with the mascara, but they have so many other great products. And it's truly easy to see why their bestsellers have thousands of five-star reviews. If you guys have not seen this tube of mascara, it is a turquoise tube. It's all over your socials. So you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But they also have other products that are really, really good that I love. They have a liquid lash extensions mascara. I don't have the clumping when I use that mascara. There's no smudging or flaking. And I get so many compliments on it. People always ask me, do you have lash extensions? No, it's just great mascara. Um, And if you guys want to try this, Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash coffee. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash coffee for 20% off your first order. So back to the topic that came up about two kids not getting the same parents. I actually saw a video on this this week. And this is a quote, two kids don't always get the same parents because their birth order has an impact. The natural sensitivity has an impact. So that's why you get two kids from an alcoholic and one will be an alcoholic and one will never touch alcohol because two children are not raised by the same parents, even though they have the same parents. This person says, I would say usually when people have gone through a broken home, it can lead to two responses. One where they become hyper clingy um, to whoever they love because they have seen love break down. So what happens is you fall in love with, they could almost live, one child could almost live in a person's skin and they stick with them and they work through things um, that they shouldn't because they have this fear of abandonment. And then the fear of abandonment in another child can lead to complete independence, not needing a relationship, keeping relationships at arm's length. But both of these children in this situation have a level of abandonment in them from watching what a divorce looks like 
children are learning that relationships in and the, in that process, they either become hyper attached or hyper independent and both are semi trauma responses. I never really thought about having multiple children. I don't have multiple children, but I think about my parents and how many kids that they have. And I have always said they weren't the same parents to each of us, but they were the same parents. I'm not the same mom I am to Creed and Lux. They have this exact same parents. I am not, I can tell you because Lux is very emotionally, I don't want to say needy because I feel like that's like derogatory. It's like not a good word for him, but like I have to like get on his level emotionally. He's very emotional. Creed is just very dependent in general in all aspects where like Lux and Creed, they're two different kids. So you can't be the same parent. But they literally go to their dads the exact same time. They come to me at the exact same time. But they're they're wildly different. So mm-hmm. I there's no way even twins like they're wildly different in who they are as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would imagine that you can't even parent necessarily parent twins the same unless the kids themselves are very very similar. You can't mm-hmm. be the same parent. Well, it's weird because when it was going into this divorce situation and abandonment, I thought of us, although your parents didn't divorce, I feel like you are the type of person that does deal with abandonment issues specifically from your mom. And I, I feel like because of that abandonment, you, that affected all of your relationships in your adult life Mm -hmm. and you are super independent. I feel like I am the exact opposite. When my parents went through divorce, I became a hyper, hyper clingy child to my dad And when this video was talking about how you could like live in their skin, Mm -hmm. that was me as a little girl with my dad. And I feel like that has affected my adult relationships because although I am independent and I can do things on my own, I get so attached to people Mm -hmm. that like I could live in their skin. And I do think that that stems from abandonment issues. Okay. I could see that. I mean- in terms of like my child, very active, like middle school, high. I mean, I was the perfect like adopted child to all my friends because I was cleaning up after myself, do everything that I need to do to make sure that I was allowed to stay. So um, yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. I, I'll be curious to see um, how Lux and Creed turn out as young adults, like mm-hmm. what they kind of move into, you know, with their personalities and me being a different, like, they're the first kids that I have that are full siblings. And so I think that that will, it'll also, I feel like I'm describing my kids as a fucking science experiment. Jesus Christ. Um, But no, no. you You don't know until you know. You basically do have a science experiment because think about your kids and just like the order that you've done things in. You had Isaac, you were never married to Joe, Mm -hmm. but you guys co-parent. Mm-hmm. You have Lincoln and you are married to Javi and that co-parenting looks completely different. Mm-hmm. You have the boys with Chris were never married, but that was your first set of kids that were biologically full siblings. So it'll be interesting to see you with Elijah and how Rio turns out with you guys being in the same home. Yesterday, I actually thought to myself because Rio is, and when I say this, I'm not, because people love to say I have a favorite, but it's literally just like, the stages of life that you like, there was one point when I posted Lincoln way more than Isaac or, uh, you know, Lux more than everybody or whatever the case is. But 
Rio is the happiest baby that I've ever had. Like this kid, I have never seen a baby as happy as Rio does not. I mean, even when we were in the hospital last week, like happy just doesn't, he's just so laid back and chill. Like, and I wondered one, is it Elijah because Elijah is the same way? Or is it because he has two parents, his same parents in the household? And we never went through the like resentment of like, you know, in the beginning of parenting, I don't know if you and Will ever went through this with Jackson, but like for, for Joe and myself, we fought about who got up in the middle of the night. We fought over this. Nobody, I didn't want him to go out because then that meant that I was taking care of the baby. He didn't want me to go out because that meant that he was stuck with the baby. Mm -hmm. And I said like, stuck is not a good word, but you get what I'm saying when you're a teenager. I relate to that. Yeah. Those things are, but they, they can happen to full-blown adults as well because you're not on the same communication page. Right. So Mm -hmm. Elijah and I don't have that. Like I asked him this morning, I said, do you mind if I go get my nails done on Saturday? And he looked at me and he's like, what? Like go do whatever you want. And so we don't have those same things. Um, And I just wonder if what, is it all of those things that contribute to him being so such a happy baby? Or is it be so interesting to see the twins? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like to see how it all unfolds. I do believe that a lot of it has to do with your age. Mm-hmm. now. And I feel like you're just in a completely different life place whenever you had even your last set of kids, I call them your set of kids, um, Lux and Creed. I feel like you're just in a totally different life phase and you're on a new journey with Elijah. You guys are basically as as married of a married couple that could be, right? Yeah. And you guys are doing all the things in the same household with your child that you created together. So that situation will be very interesting to unfold, and I can't wait to watch it. Stay tuned. Can you tell me um, your thoughts on salary difference and splitting bills? I feel like we've like briefly talked about this before, but I want to know what you found. So the article that I read, I'm going to pull it up really quickly. My fiance makes 600,000 and I make less than 50K. We have no idea how to split the bills. I'm recently engaged and have a hard time wrapping my mind around how to equally, equitably share income and expenses. My, my partner makes considerably more money than I do. He's a doctor salaried at around 600,000 a year. I work in education and make less than 50,000 per year. How should we split the bills? Um, I thought this was really interesting and I'm one of those people that I do not believe that everything is 50-50 and if she wants to hold her weight, then maybe she could pay a utility bill, but at $50,000 a year and him making $60,000 or $600,000 a year, my opinion, and this is not based on generals, this is strictly income only, he should pay for everything. Um, I believe that this should have been a conversation. They're just engaged, right? Yes. So I've talked a lot in the past about having upfront conversations. And I feel like Will and I didn't do that before we got married because we didn't have shit. So it was like, what the fuck are we really going to talk about? Yeah. At this phase of my life, that is a conversation that needs to take place before any huge life events take place. Because I do see that that would be a bone of contention if not discussed and there be a plan in place or expectations Someone who's making $600,000 a year and someone who's making $50,000 a year, you can't compare those two people financially. They're on completely different playing fields. Um, And then you get into the conversation, do we live based off of the lower person's income? Do we have like that 
standard of living or are we living based off of the person's higher income? If that's the case, it is my opinion that the person with a higher income is going to have to bridge that gap. So Elijah and I are in the situation. This is the situation that we're in, um, the financial gap being even more than this. And I would live this way with or without him. So I don't expect him to pay for certain things or contribute the same amount that I would because I'm living this way without him. It doesn't matter. Um, We have a number that he contributes and that is a number that would maintain his lifestyle should he live in the house that he has on our driveway, you know, the Mm -hmm. house that he bought. So whatever he would pay there is what he pays here because that aligns with his income. And Mm -hmm. for me, we couldn't have planned, you know, this all happening and we couldn't have planned that I would be the higher earner. That's just what it is. And I don't feel like he's any less than me because of it. I don't think that it makes him less of a man. I don't think it makes him less of a partner. It just, this is what it is. Like we can't, we, if we want to be together, we have to be realistic about our goals and our finances. Um, and so he just contributes what he would over there, period. I agree with that wholeheartedly, but what you just said was there was a conversation that took place. So I think that that is important to have an honest conversation and say, okay, this is my income and this is your income. What were you paying and bills Mm -hmm. before me? Mm -hmm. That's the expectation that I'm going to have for me to not build resentment for me doing absolutely everything. That's the expectation that I have that you, you contribute. Um, I don't believe in one person doing it all. I believe in equality in a relationship that is emotional equality. Um, But so when you say that you, but when you say that, what about the difference of 50,000 and 600,000? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like like, there's a utility bill maybe, but like 50,000 is not, that's barely livable today. No, I mean like equality in a relationship. If you were having this conversation, what that person would be providing to the situation, you have to look at that as equal because that is that is what they are capable of providing. Okay, so, so if you're not more- providing what they're capable, that's not equal. Okay, I see what you're saying. Is your holiday hangover making getting dressed feel like a chore because welcome to the new year with a resolution for personal style that reflects the real you? I have always struggled with this, but with the courtesy of Stitch Fix's expert team of personal stylists, I don't have that problem anymore. As soon as we finish recording, I am about to go declutter my closet and I actually just got a fix delivered to my house. So I have not gone through it, but I cannot wait to go through it because I do feel like Stitch Fix is the best way to shop new styles and brands, you guys can just think of them as your style partner and your stylist will learn about your taste. They're going to collaborate with you on looks that you'll love. And they're going to do all of that without breaking the bank. I also love that they have so many different sizes. So from extra small to 3XL, they're going to find your perfect fit. They have over 1,000 brands and styles. So no matter what season you're in, Stitch Fix has you covered. And I have actually discovered a ton of brands that I love by ordering from them. I love that you can set your budgeting preferences too, because as you know, with how many kids that I have, plus myself, it's 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 hard to get quality items for certain prices. And so you can try everything on at home, keep what you like and send back the rest. There's 
always shipping and return labels um, that are sent with your fix. And I rarely use them because we usually love everything. But that was really what sold me is that I hate going to the store or returning things. So thanks to Stitch Fix, they just get us and they'll get you too. Try today at stitchfix.com slash coffee combos and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash coffee combos, stitchfix.com slash coffee combos. Flight 562 is Oh out. my gosh, oh my gosh, Brooke, we're going to miss our flight. We didn't finish the promo. Can we just record it on the plane? I will not be that person. What if we record it in the bathroom? Ew, no, that is disgusting. <sighs> well, we'll just have to go off the cuff and tell everyone about our podcast right now called Gals on the Go. Well, we are two gals constantly on the move with weekly conversations about friendship, navigating your 20s, relationships, trends, and just our exciting, chaotic lives. With Brooke Nicio and Danielle Carolyn, please come to well, the gate Well, I think it's time to board now, but this should be enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they won't use it. But in case they do, new episodes of Gals on the Go drop every Wednesday. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But let me give some more context to this specific situation. Um, she says, this is the the woman that makes 50000 She says, I'm not a big spender, but also not a saver. I am divorced and have joint custody of my teenage children. I get no alimony or child support, and after the bills are paid and a little bit of discretionary spending, mostly by my daughter, I pretty much live paycheck to paycheck. I'm afraid of debt, so I have none. I rent a home, don't use credit cards, live modestly, enjoy shopping at thrift stores, and my car is eight years old with 225,000 miles on it. He is very money conscious on some things, but also spends extravagantly on others. Wow, he sounds just like me. He has a home mortgage, a home, <laughs> he's a home mortgage, a mortgage on his Lamborghini and student loans. He pays his ex 40% of his salary in alimony. Wow. He pays. So he cheated. 40- wow. So he cheated. Um, I- but that will end in a few months. He's got teenagers too. So several more years of paying child support. He basically lives paycheck to paychecks just with bigger paychecks. Other than saying that he just expects me to contribute and not just chill while he's working, he won't fully communicate his financial wishes and expectations. We are currently looking at buying a home together. So the issue, the issue is somewhat pressing. Okay. That's interesting because it, to your point, how do you live? Like, like I said, I am going to live this way with or without Elijah. So whether he contributes what he pays over, the, what he would pay over there or not, I'm living here. This is how I'm living. So that's interesting. But if you're buying a house together, you know, Elijah and I didn't buy this together. We bought these separately. So like, what would that look like in terms of buying a new home? But what you just read to me, I'm not trying to judge this man, but I'm kind of judging him. I feel like he's living beyond his means at the point that he needs to consider her income. If he has like a lease or mortgage Lamborghini, whatever she said, um, He's paying 40% in alimony. First of all, I want to know his character because did he cheat? Um, Probably wouldn't want to get... have alimony in a divorce because there's children involved and their wife was accustomed to a certain lifestyle. So I don't think net cheating was always necessarily a thing. But if I was was dating this man, I can just tell you what I would do. And I was the $50,000 earner. Mm-hmm. I would say this is what I am comfortable contributing. This is what my salary would allow me to contribute within reason. This is what I would be doing without you. This is what I can do. 
if that doesn't work for you, we're going to have problems later down the road because you are going to build resentment because you have expectations that I cannot meet. That would answer the question for me altogether if we're just talking about finances. This one's tough because I feel like with this gap and there's lots of children involved, her children and his children, I just feel like if you're getting involved and you know this, then he should, I mean, in terms of bill, like let her contribute to a bill and some groceries and her kids. If she's not getting alimony or child support and you're paying alimony and child support to your kids, let her handle her kids and a bill or two. And that's, I mean, we're talking about a huge salary difference here. Like, I, I will tell you a, a story. This is this was Will's parents, from my understanding. She worked as a public school teacher. His dad had a great job for an, he was like an executive of a public company. Mm-hmm. They had a, a decent income discrepancy. From, from my knowledge, she paid the power bill and all the groceries that came into the house and he paid everything else. Yes. So like to your point, I believe that that's, that is fair because how much is it going to take to feed that many people? You know, like you got to consider hunting groceries ain't cheap. No. When I was married, we did hobby paid for everything. Um, We had a salary difference then too, but I mean, he paid for everything and I paid for groceries and vacations, period. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just the what, and I don't even know that we really talked about it. It was just kind of like, that's what we did. Um, And so, and I think I I was the higher earner then even. So mm-hmm. I, it's just, you know, it's interesting. So the woman that is the editor for this, um, for the BuzzFeed article, she says that she, you know, it's good that they've talked about, you know, they know each other's financial, financial situation. So she said that actually shows that there's communication, trust, and openness. Um, but she said... Instead of just asking, how should we split the bills? It might be more productive to start the conversation elsewhere. She says, one place where you might start is by talking about how, so how you've handled sharing financial finances in previous relationships. What did you like and what could have been better? Is there anything that you, you're determined to never do again? How do you feel about shared accounts? Answering these questions can help both of you understand each other and plan and, and a plan might emerge naturally as you talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you might also find it useful to talk about your desired lifestyle and classify expenses and wants and needs. His Lamborghini, for example, which is what you brought up, um, I'd classify as a personal want. And I wouldn't want to be, she says that I wouldn't be open open to com- contributing to anything regarding that car payment. Mm-hmm. So likewise, if his if he has his heart set on a home that's way out of your price range, there shouldn't there should be an understanding that he would need to pay most of the mortgage, if not all of it. Mm-hmm. So I think she's right. In I like, agree with that. Yeah, that those parts of the finances. Because I think that at some point you have to say, okay, if I'm making fifty thousand dollars a year, you have to go into the question of what am I qualifying for. So like based off of that, and then am I willing, not only am I qualifying for that, but am I willing to spend that? And then that's what you're going to go to the table with and say, okay, this is like what I am comfortable with. But $50,000 a year, if she's getting no child support, she's getting no alimony, she's raising kids off of this $50,000 a year, I would not imagine that she would have a ton of money to contribute. And if that's a deal breaker for him, then he better get the fuck out then get the fuck on, you know, <laughs> like, you know, get the fuck like, what on. What do you expect? I have to tell you about this people article that I saw come up and I want to know what your thoughts are on this. Um, 
you know how I said previously, um, not sue happy, don't really love the idea of lawsuits. This article says um, that this 10-year-old boy was decapitated in a water slide accident. And oh, yeah. please I, confirm I this. could not open the article because just the headline made me sick. So he was involved in a fatal accident at a water park in Kansas City and died of a neck injury. He was found dead at the bottom of a slide in the pool. Um, and police confirmed to People Magazine that he had been decapitated. Um a witness said that she and her boyfriend were on their way up to the top of the 168 foot water slide. Um, evidently there was like a scheduling. So you had to, to schedule time to go on it. So they had a 3 PM ride and they saw a large group of people gathered at the bottom and that there was a woman being treated for some kind of injury on her face and head. And this woman that's giving the statement said that's when her boyfriend said, I think there is someone else um, first responders were covering the body of this 10 year old little boy. Um, there was two women in the boat with him. Neither of them were related to this little boy. Those women also suffered minor facial injuries. And it was said that it looked like he must have somehow been ejected from his seat, bounced around between the netting and the slide and just slid down. It said that he would have fallen down without the raft that was kind of like a tube for this ride. And um, since this incident happened, people learned that this water park, it was a 2014 opening and it was delayed multiple times due to glitches, including one issue that caused water rafts to fly off the slide into the air. The creator of this water park told USA Today, we had many issues on the engineering of the slide. A lot of our math was based on roller coasters at first, and that didn't translate to a water slide like this. No one had ever done anything like this before. He then clarified that the ride is now open. It's still hazardous, but in the safest way. He said it's dangerous, but it's a safe dangerous now. It's a family water park, but it isn't a family ride. It's for thrill seekers of the world, people into extreme adventure. So to me, that's negligent. There is so much wrong with, I mean, he just... (laughs) The fact that he knows this, this was known and saying that the math didn't work and that there was issues, but prior to opening tells me all I need to know. Like that needs to be advertised. Like that should be the advertisement for that park and maybe that slide. Um, This is dangerous. This could be dangerous. This is at your own risk, like injuries. I mean, but I mean, you're opening yourself up to lawsuits and now you're admitting your negligence. So what, who, what lawyer is going to represent you now? I just don't know. And I mean, I was thinking back whenever I was a kid about this age, um, there was a amusement park thing that we would go to at the beach in Destin. And my parents had to sign a waiver for us to go on like the sky flyer. It's the one where it, like cranes you all the way up and you have to pull the the cord yourself and you like fly across the air. No, thank you. My parents signed this thing, but I'm pretty sure there was a disclosure in the thing in the event of like an injury or a death. We are not responsible for this. You are going up on that thing. You are choosing to do this. You are a thrill seeker. Um, you are pulling the cord on your own. If something glitches, it's basically on you. My parents still fucking signed it because they were like, whatever. I don't think you think about this stuff. But I just wonder if there was any type of signing of of a waiver for this ride that eliminates 
this water park to be sued in the event of like an injury or a death seems as if multiple people were injured on this same day from this same ride. I don't know. I'm just telling you now, if I had a kid and we went to an indoor water park and he wanted to go on a ride that looked like a fucking roller coaster. No. No, like you're not going. Also, I think you can, even if you sign shit like that, you can still sue people. Like you can still sue them. So, I mean, why even put those fucking clauses in there? Because you're still getting sued. But if you didn't pass some type of inspection or your ride like wasn't cleared initially and doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of re-engineering that was done on this because it was Mm -hmm. still, in my opinion, not safe to be going on. They acknowledged the fact that it wasn't safe to go on, that it was for thrill seekers. Um, To me, you're just very negligent. Like I would never, I would never be comfortable if I was the owner of that to know that my ride did not pass inspection at first. And then I, I left it there. Mm -mm. No, I'm not, I want no parts of this at all. Like, no, absolutely not. When I saw that headline, I couldn't even bring myself to open that article. So I, I mean, it's sickening. I don't know how you can sit here and sit because you think everybody's going to read that article or see you on USA Today, or, you know, you think all these people, you don't have that advertised anywhere else. You don't have it advertised in front of the park, at the park, in front of the slide, nothing. So you saying, like him saying all of this is bullshit and I don't like him. I don't like him either. And I just want to know other parents who are listening to this, in this situation, this happens to your child, what are you doing? And on that note, it's time for foul play. I have to share my foul play. At the time, I was dating my boyfriend for four years. I was living at my aunt's house. I went to take a shower. No one was at home at the time. The shower consisted of the whole works. So a hot girl shower. So about 25 (laughs) minutes. As I finished and shut the water off, I opened the curtain. My boyfriend was standing there and picked my wet ass body up and carried me upstairs. Can I pause there? If I opened a shower curtain and somebody was fucking standing there and I thought I was home alone, you're not, you're picking up a dead body. Right. Because now I'm punching you out of pure knee jerk reaction. And then I'm pissed off because of this whole, like you scaring the fuck out of me. Yes. So continuing. As he was down there doing his thing, I noticed he kept stopping and turning his head to the side and going back at it. This happened around five times. The sixth time, he lifts his head straight up and goes, do I have something in my teeth or mouth? I look at him and this man has small black hairs all in his mouth and teeth. Apparently, I forgot to rinse myself down there after shaving. Oh my God. I was dead and told him, yes, my pubic hair that I just shaved. What's this man do next, you ask? He grabs a bottle of water on my nightstand, takes a sip, squishes it around his mouth and fucking swallows it and then goes back at it. I was shocked and then a little scared at the moment that this guy is willing to swallow my pubic hair. Anyway, 15 years later, we're still together. I'm married with two daughters. He was not scared of anything, apparently. He helped me keep the kitty cleaned up during my pregnancies too. Love you guys. Number one, this man is a rider. Like, that one is a ride or die, but also I would have been like, a, like in that moment, I would have been like mortified. mortified. Yeah. I wouldn't have let him do that. I would have been like, sir, um, I forgot to wash. I forgot to rinse my cat. Okay. I do have to ask you this. I don't shave. I wax now. But when I did shave, did you wash your cat before you shaved, shave, and then wash it again? Well, so now I have this thing where I scrub. I do a pre-scrape, a pre-shave scrub. And I mean, I don't, yeah, I guess I wash my body. I do a scrub and then I shave and then I rinse, rinse it off. 
Okay. So I'm just wondering, I mean, there's been times that I've forgotten like conditioner in my hair, but probably never a time that I forgot to like, you know, rinse off the lady bits when I got finished shaving. So that's interesting. Um, I feel bad for his mouth. Number one, number two, I feel bad for her because she was kind of caught off guard, you know, honestly. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine, like I'm telling you, if somebody walked in on me in a shower when I thought I was home alone, I would be absolutely fucking mortified. The last thing I would be thinking about is someone licking my cat. Yeah, no. If I, like, you could have just waited until I was done with the shower, really. 100%. I love that you guys are married, though, 15 years later, and that you have two daughters, and that he shaved your kitty during your pregnancies, too. Like, this man is a real man. We love him. Um, Tell him that the kitty gang kill and the kitty gang stand you. Um, For next week, we're going to be discussing Dr. Death season one. Anybody wants to play along? Make sure that you guys watch. We want to, again, wish Isaac a very happy 14th birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. And we hope that you have the best birthday ever in the present that we don't know what you're getting. Um, I'm sure we'll hear about that next week as well. Just want to say thank you guys for always supporting our show. Please subscribe and review on the Apple Podcast app. Follow and rate on Spotify or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group to connect with us and our community. We love you guys and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand with thousands of free movies and TV shows. Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.